Friday night, I'm working up in Greenwood. Bar's completely fucking packed. Uh, dude comes walking up and he's like, hey, uh, there's like a guy passed out on the floor in the bathroom. I like, like how the guy is Kermit the Frog. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to hide his identity, you know, to make him sound different. Yeah, yeah. Protect the innocent. Uh, no, he like comes up and says this guy passed out in the bathroom. I'm like, fuck. I go back there. He's a big, huge, giant guy. And he's got two little tiny friends. He's like sitting on the floor. He's just like all fucked up, you know? I'm like, hey, man, you got to get your buddy out of here. Like, this is this is not a place to be fucking sitting on the floor. And so like, okay, we'll get it figured out. So I go back up to the bar and tell the other bartender, you know, like, hey, guy passed out the bathroom. He's like, fuck, dude, the, the liquor control board's here right now. I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. And <laughs> like, for those of you that don't live in Washington State. <laughs> they're the fucking liquor, they're the shock bo- troopers. Yeah, the booze, the booze cops. Booze cops. But yeah, so um, the luckily the, the liquor control board doesn't really go into bathrooms. They just kind of case the place. If they feel like they want to card anybody in the bar, they can just card them. Yeah. And well, if, they And sometimes they'll send in like sting operations. They'll send in underage people with like yeah. the wrong IDs and- yep. Or, or just underage people, and, you know, if you don't check their ID or you look at it and don't actually or look at you it. you have booze anywhere yep. open in the bar after two. Yep. They're fucking assholes. They're out to get you. Anyways, they, they, they missed the giant man, you know, Pat, crying in the fucking bathroom. Well, because didn't his friends hurt him into a toilet stall? Yeah. So they were all hanging out in there. So I, I talked to him several <laughs> times. suspicious here. I talked to him several times, and they finally were like, okay, we got a car coming right now. We're going to walk him out of here. And they barely shouldered this asshole through the bar, got him out the front door, and I was like, cool, they got him into a cab. That's the, that's the last we heard of that. And so uh, I go take a quick break, and I walk out the door, and um, apparently the cab didn't pick him up. Uh, they, oh, no. The dude was sitting on the fucking sidewalk in front of um, uh, the, the bar. It's like two doors down. God damn it. Sitting, sitting on the sidewalk in front of the patio of that place, and he's like barfing into a fucking plastic bag. Super. We went down the rivers. We crossed the plains. Over the mountains. We fought in streams. And the USA. USA. Where we leave off, we're, we were talking last welcome week back. about the. Oh, yeah, welcome back to How the West Was Fucked. <laughs> How the West was fucked. So. We're we're way northwest right now. We're up far, in the far, far northwest. Up in the Klondike, we've uh, we've been boating with Jack London. We've been collecting piles of dead horse bodies. We've been so far making not that much Cook, in gold. Cooked L- up by a little bit of Trump's great grandfather. Yes, we got Trump's great grandfather making vittles for people. Uh, we've have the exploding dynamite ship with the missing gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get ready for some strapping for some more misery. As this we is, what, what year is this? Is like the eighteen eighties? This is not quite even yet eighteen eighties. Is it? Is it it's eighteen like eighties. Is it eighteen ninety eight? Oh, ninety eight already. Oh that's, yeah, because we, we started in 70, 73, seventy three was when the first first guys kind of got up there. Holy shit! So it's been going on for a minute. So I'm just in my head. I'm like, all right, is but this? But the rush has only been on for like a year and a half. Yeah. So. In my head, I was thinking like, is is Alaska a fucking like a state yeah, or is it, is it Canada? No, it's state. So, yeah, no, it's a U.S. territory. It's a territory. Yeah, so we, pr- we yeah. Per- I did not know that. I'm just reading it right now. 
We purchased it in 1867. Yeah, like it the, was a territory until 1959. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the fuck? It was what, the last or Hawaii was the last? Hawaii was the last. Yeah. Man. That's fucking crazy. But, like, there's a reason why the Mounties, like, show up and they're trying... Well, there's customs guys and Mounties showing up to, like, keep the fucking Americans on the American side. Don't okay. let the bastards do anything over here. So we're going to get more into that here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Goddamn. But we're going to talk about Arthur Arnold Dietz. He was the gymnastics director of the Young Men's Christian Association in New York City. So what's the Young Men's <laughs> Christian Association? He decided to take an ad out in the New York Herald and to form a mining company. I need some young men to go with me up to the Klondike. <laughs> and of course, they wore identical sweaters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gotta have teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work, baby. <laughs> with trousers and leather boots and sombreros, oh, which are good for the Klondike. Yes. Sombreros? Sure. And each carried a 30 30. Well, that's good for the Klondike. Uh, to prepare for the expedition, they read the travelogue of North Pole explorer Robert Peary. Who didn't go <laughs> that direction at all, right? Uh, Went more up through the nah, interior, didn't he? Yeah. I, I just listened to uh, a dollop about him. and There's another guy who actually found it, but Peary was just a, a flat-out liar. And Oh, is that think, like looking for the hole in the middle of the earth mm-hmm. one? Oh, yep. yeah, that one's great. There's going to be animals and shit down there. Oh, yeah, pull... Holes to the poles or whatever. Holes to the poles. Yep, that's where uh, yeah, that Hitler is also can ride a T Rex. Strip club name that specializes <laughs> in specifically, like I guess, sliding down poles with your clenched butt cheeks. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Holes. Pickle factory. Uh, they purchased four Saint Bernards and two Newfoundlands because those are renowned sled dogs. I mean, they're good cold weather dogs, but mm-hmm. uh, but the New York City cops arrested them for animal cruelty for running them and. Oh, they sled dogs. Yeah, they were doing uh, sled dog training with these things in New York. So they had they, laws against animal cruelty back then in New York, <laughs> like nowhere probably else. And it didn't maybe apply to like the horse that's delivering your milk or something. Right? They, they just leave in the street when it expires after being overworked. Meanwhile, there's like children working in fucking. Oh yeah. Like- <laughs> oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, February 1898, the company took the train to Seattle. Tickets for steamers north were scarce, but they got a tip about an old ship down in Tacoma no good. for sale, and they bought it for $5,000, even though it was condemned two years before. <laughs> then, of course, they hire a captain that was visibly drunk. Danger boats! Got a, a wreck title. Oh, and, yeah. Mm-hmm, and then they sell it north. Deets, though normally careful, got the madness, the Klondike-itis, and wanted to go north as soon as possible. To defray the cost of the boat, Dietz took aboard 100 passengers, but that badly overloaded the ship, so it ran low in normal seas. But when storms came in, the deck was covered in water, and it pitched so bad that everybody got seasickness. Of course. At first, people thought they might die of seasickness. Nah. After days of vomiting, the men were so weak that they barfed in their beds. Ah, yes. Uh, First, the dogs began to die, then the men. Oh, my God. On March 17th, a month after leaving Seattle, they entered Alaskan waters. They would pioneer a new way to the Klondike. Oh, they think they will. <laughs> uh, up the slope of, um, how do we say this, Malaspina Glacier? Sure. It's a glacier. It doesn't fucking matter what it's called. It's fucking glacier. Yeah. Which are easy to get oh, yeah, up so and around, especially in Alaska. It doesn't matter what it's called because it'll be gone soon anyway. Well, not back then, but like it'll definitely have you know some crevasses for you and... 
Yeah. Mm. But on the map, it looked easy. Yeah. Across the glacier <laughs> and the over map, the mountains. Drawn in crayon on a fucking... <laughs> I was going to say, belt. everything's flat on a map, right? Mm. Yep. But once they see the glacier in person, it was kind of more holy shit because <laughs> glacier has uh, crevasses. Yeah, and they tend to not be, you know, the slope doesn't really care. It's not eroded like a regular hill. It's mm-hmm. wall of ice moving, so the parts calve, calve off the front of it. And Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the Malaspina is the largest Piedmont glacier Sounds in the like world. Mouse penis. <laughs> largest mouse penis in the world. <laughs> That's one that spills out of the mountains into a flat plain. Mm. It's 40 miles wide and 28 miles long. Well, what do glaciers do in the summertime? They go on vacation? Calve. They calve and they melt, and if you got a nice flat plain at the end of the glacier, indicates there's going to be a degree of water filling that flat plain. At some point, yeah. Like all the time yeah. in the summer? Yeah. For the last however many hundreds of thousands of years, yeah. if not millions, that glacier's been sitting there. <laughs> Uh, the company landed at Yakutat. Mm. There, they were met by a white missionary. No good. Uh, they were missionaries. Only good things can happen with white missionaries. Uh, they beached the ship in the receding tide. It listed over and out wafted the smell of months worth of puke. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, aged to perfection. And Dietz, of course, just abandons the ship right there. <laughs> Got to get it detailed, dude. <laughs> Uh, before they left, they took stock of what they had. Uh, a lot of puke. Save that for later. You're going to wish you had. The journey had spoiled a lot of their food and corroded their equipment because it was constantly wet with well, puke. I was going to say, you're puking stomach <laughs> acid on everything. Tin cans of meat and milk were rusted shut. Mm. <laughs> uh, they discovered they were swindled in Seattle. Imagine that. Mm. The powdered eggs turned out to be inedible cornmeal. Powdered th- eggs? Yeah, powdered eggs. Fucking gross. You ever had powdered eggs? No. They're gritty. Yeah. Yet also egg-like. It's the per- it's like scrambled eggs that has a degree of fine sand in it. You were not selling this very well. I'm not meant to be. It's fucking gross. <laughs> Either way, they throw that away because it's cornmeal. Throw you can fucking eat cornmeal. Oh god, these guys are fucking idiots. No, he said inedible cornmeal. It's not eggs. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They found most of their stuff they brought along were useless. Uh, They purchased forty dogs. Even the lava lamps. Mm -hmm. Damn. They purchased forty dogs and sleds from the natives. Snowshoes and mucklucks. What mucklucks? Like like indigenous person snow boots. Oh okay. What you actually want? Yeah. Up here. Since it's what's been worn for millennia by yeah. the people that actually live there. Uh, they replaced all their gear except for rifles and mining equipment. And they brought along an 800-pound dynamo engine for power that would be driven by water wheel. So we're back on track except for cool. we're going to bring a hydro generator, 800-pound, <laughs> you know, roughly the size of a large block V8, like probably <laughs> diesel. We're going to drag that over a glacier. Yeah. Because we don't want to have to, we want to have electricity when we get to the... <laughs> Fucking wilderness. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> they were doing so good there for just a second. Yeah. And then, oh, you know what would make this better? 800 pounds of unnecessary shit. Yeah. Uh, before they left, Dietz asked for directions. <laughs> <laughs> the villagers pointed towards the mountains past Disenchantment Bay. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely place. Well, it's like up here we have, you know, Cape Disappointment, Cape Disappointment and Cape yeah. Obstruction Pass. Mm-hmm. Deception pass. Deception pass, yeah. Uh, eventually, Dietz convinced two Indians to act as guides. 
who had never climbed glaciers because they're not stupid. Well, it's like the uh, fucking natives uh, uh, in the Olympics. Yeah, the, the guys wanted to. Hey, what, what's up? How do you get up this mountain? They're like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, Why fucking, do you want to go up there? Fucking ghosts or something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, we don't. We don't go up there. Don't care. Or it's like uh, Salvatore and his buddy from Donner Party ish. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Deet said the natives are fearful of crossing moving ice. Mm. I'm not though, because I've never tried to do it before in my life, and I'm <laughs> super overconfident. And he considered their warning silly. Ha <laughs> ha! You silly natives. And thought they could easily cross the glacier. Look, the locals are afraid. What a bunch of idiots. The other hundred or so passengers on the ship thought differently. They sailed off for a different route. Bye. Dietz, oh, uh, they, they got the USS puke boat back on its feet? Yep. Okay. Oh, shit. Right. So Dietz and uh, 18 people were, were left to cross the glacier. Sounds like a party. So it took a full week to pack everything across the coastal mountains just to get to the foot of the glacier. Uh, by then, it was April, and the days were warm. Just what you want when crossing a big icy thing. <laughs> yeah. Four men would break uh, the trail on snowshoes, and others would follow on dog sleds. Now, what's a what's the difference between a man on snowshoes and a dog sled? I feel like the dog sled's a little faster, and perhaps? probably a little heavier. Yeah, just yeah. a touch heavier. <laughs> Especially with the eight hundred fucking oh, pound right. dynamo, dynamo on, on the fucking and and like. So that's just like an electric generator that they yeah, hook up to with a water they're wheel. They're going to make a water okay, wheel. Cool. They're going to make a water generator. Cool. I mean, I don't I mean, know. I don't, it doesn't make any fucking sense. That's why I'm kind of confused I mean, by I it. applaud their enthusiasm. For, sure. Like, if they're going to do that in, like, one of these coastal towns and, like, use it for something to mine the miners, it would make sense. But if you're trying to move it up to, you haven't even found your gold claim yet. Yeah. And you're just, oh, we're, first thing you're going to do is get the lights up. I think that's the last year fucking concerns. You're yeah. probably going to want a cabin and some meat. And a mining claim. I mean, if you're going to have all 800 pounds of something, you could have done it a lot fucking and, and, smarter. And it should have been meat. Yeah. A lot of meat. Fucking hell, dude. Or Fla- eggs. Get, get those fucking powdered eggs you're yeah. so into. And, of course, the dogs fought constantly because their masters didn't know how to train them. Right. And also, when I say meat, it generally meant bacon in this time frame because yeah. otherwise it would rot. Right. Sometimes jerky, but mostly bacon. But once out on the glacier, they were... Snowblind. Yep, having a final time. <laughs> they became hopelessly disoriented. Landmarks were blotted out by the reflected glare of the snow. And their scorched eyeballs. Mm-hmm. They did have smoked goggles, but were still blinded. Uh, some smeared bacon fat on their eyeballs to soothe them. Uh, what don't you do? To on your them? eyeballs? Yeah. But what the salt the burned f- them worse. <laughs> 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 just picturing like I've, I think I've talked to him before like the Inuit like Inuit pack style you know the snow goggles you yeah make, the, where the, you the, bark, his, the like yeah, bark goggles yeah make the bark goggles slits I'm just picturing them cutting slits in bacon and like strapping <laughs> Strap strapping around their eyes like a Ninja <laughs> Turtle mask <laughs> uh, Dietz rubbed his uh, burning eyeballs till he wept blood oh god, my god damn it. well Dietz may be an idiot but he's metal as fuck <laughs> like, oh my god he shows up in some native camp just ble- bleeding from his eyes <laughs> <laughs> fucking johnny depp in once upon a time in Mexico. Yeah. uh the further they went the bigger the crevasses and snow bridges sagged under the weight of the party mm-hmm. a late spring blizzard brought them two feet of new snow so now you can't see the holes in the ice oh, no. <laughs> well not like you could before because of right. all the bacon in your eye <laughs> Then they walked even slower. Scabby, sunburned fucking irises. Uh, They ate while they walked to save time. Mm. 
Uh, they shoveled down uncooked, evaporated potatoes that made their throats raw. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, I'm picturing some kind of like the, the seagull Elka-Seltzer kind of thing. It like hits your stomach and all that. It just absorbs all absorbs the moisture from your fucking body. You know, you eat like a cup and a half of powdered potatoes that then turns into four cups of powdered potatoes yeah. in your GI tract. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, that's some... No, that's, that's going to be some gnarly shits. If you ever shit again. <laughs> One day, Dietz heard a cry from out in front of him. In an instant, he saw his brother-in-law disappear with a dog sled and four dogs and all their medicine. Whoops. All were pulled down into a crevasse. I was going to say, I guess, I'm guessing that wasn't Doctor Strange making that happen. <laughs> nope. Just gravity and geology. Uh, Dietz could not see a bottom to it. Uh, they sent down a rescue man, but they ran out of rope at 500 feet. Oh, fuck. Hey, Jobs, I'm not volunteering the to fuck for. No. <laughs> like, oh, hey, we got this sweet-ass hemp rope that we probably salvaged also, from this fucking you get, ship. Also, once you get like 40 feet down on a rope, it's like, nah, it doesn't matter. Just, They're gone. Just fuck you. Yeah. I'm not doing any of yeah. it. Not getting close to the edge of that fucking thing. Not, especially not with these fearless fucking leaders with their Jesus eye bacon Christ. and their fucking... <laughs> But there's nothing they could do, so they go on, even though they could hear pitiful whines from the dogs. Oh, my God. So he was wondering what to tell his sister. It's like, oh, we had to leave him at a bottomless hole. Nope. He passed peacefully in his sleep. Unfortunately, we couldn't carry him out because we had an (laughs) 800-pound generator. (laughs) Uh, After that, they tied all the sleds together. Oh, so when you lose one, you'll lose them all. Everybody Mm -hmm. goes down. (sighs) Um, May 4th, that's two weeks on the glacier. They thought they reached the crest of the glacier. Two weeks on the glacier, and we're going to make it home tonight. <laughs> the last man on the train was missing, as they looked back. They went back and found an open hole in a crevasse. Shocking. It was the preacher named Wyden. Oh, that's, oh, that's fine. fine. That's fine. This time they didn't lower a rope, though. No. <laughs> They're like, nah. And since he was the preacher, they didn't say any prayers, because yeah, the preacher was already done there. <laughs> it just moved on. Uh, going was first easier sensible now. thing they did this entire... <laughs> Now they're going downhill, so but they, then they would have to climb back up. So they can fall into crevasses more quickly. Uh, but they would have to climb back up when the route didn't work out. And the nearer they got to land, the more the glacier buckled. The men were bone weary. And I guess that's when your bone hurts. Bone, bone hurts. No, it means like, just a euphemism for very weary, like... like uh, like bone tired. You know, oh, bone, bone tired. tired. Yeah, bone yeah. One man named Boyden, an old friend of Dietz, was delirious with exhaustion and managed only a faint cry as he fell into a crevasse. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. I like this. It sounds like he's just like standing there and then crevasse. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> finally. Ah, these see these silly natives with their superstitions about traveling over moving ice. <laughs> What a bunch of dumb assholes they turned out to be, right? Give me some more eye bacon. <laughs> <laughs> then they come to the tree line. Uh, they had crossed it now. Now it was just a mountain range to cross to get to the Klondike. Oh, yeah. that's all. Nice. But, there, but there's trees and no crevasses. Mm-hmm. But for 50 days, no they experienced nothing but blinding snow. It took almost a week to, uh, with a rope and pulley to get all their stuff off the glacier. It's kind of like the prow of a ship down to the ground. Including the half-ton dynamo. Yep, still got that. God damn it. Uh, It was June 1898, and they're in the St. Elias Mountains, which is some of the tallest in North America. I think they top out about 18, or actually the 
Directly in their path was 19,000-foot Mount Logan. Mm, named after Wolverine. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decided to start prospecting where they stood. <laughs> because it's just fucking easier. Dude, this isn't even like, you know, native guys are, this is not a gold-bearing rock, white man. Like, <laughs> don't care. Don't care. Uh, there are two Indian guides left. Mm-hmm. Dietz was happy to see him go. Yeah, these motherfuckers don't help us at all. They should have warned us about the glacier and how dangerous it was. <laughs> he said, we find our compasses far more reliable than their uncertain ideas. <laughs> what a fucking what a asshole. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Uh, so they worked their way north, slowly prospecting as they went. July 29th, they finally left the dynamo behind. Couldn't drag it up any more mountains. What a fucking it's waste. totally worth it. Jeez, where was this? Uh, the St. Elias Range. Yeah, we should go find it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's still in great shape. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, the men and dogs grew strong on the warm sun and the meat of bear cubs. Mm. What? You're killing bear babies? Well, if that's what you got, that's what you yeah, got. That's true. And, of course, since and it's Alaska, so, they're, they're so uh, tender, they melt off the bone. They were surrounded by mosquitoes. Mm. Ate them in their flapjacks and drank them in their coffee. Yeah. Hey, protein. Uh, Their pans flashed gold every day, but their mineralogist declared them to be quartz and pyrite. Yep. Fool's gold. Fool's gold. Mm -hmm. First man to become sick was Andrew Mattis. He caught a fever. Uh, All the medicine and the physician, which was Dietz's brother, were now at the the bottom of a caress. Yeah, like what kind of medicine do they fucking have? Fucking bilious Bilious pills pills, and fucking heroin. (laughs) 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 So they put Mattis on on a sled and he was dragged behind. Uh, Three days later, he died, so now they're down to 15 people. Keep on dragging stuff that just doesn't last. Uh, They skirted around Mount Logan and came to an enormous glacier valley. Oh, good. More glaciers. Uh, Dietz thought they reached the Tanana River, which was, would flow into the Yukon, uh, up in Fairbanks there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the days were already turning cold, so they built a cabin, and they built up a cache of fish. Blizzards arrived early, and soon the snow was covered over the roof of the cabin, yep. which was 10 feet tall. Which is out here why you continuously, if you have a cabin, if you can, you either keep a hot-ass fire going in it, and well, especially with a tin roof, it'll help melt off the snow. Or you got a double roof and you shovel that fucker off because otherwise it'll squish your cabin, much oh, yes. like happened to Megan's cabin up in the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. up in the Cascades over there in uh, by Lake Wenatchee. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, three of the men panicked and said they should go back, <laughs> pack up, and go downriver. Once again, picturing the little guy from the harvester trucks in Red Alert. <laughs> Either to find an Indian or mining camp and get directions to the I to thought Dawson we didn't City. trust Indian directions though. <laughs> I thought um, your compasses were so good. Mm-hmm. Well, now they got an 800 piece of, pound piece of metal behind them, so they probably get fucking false reading <laughs> <laughs> from the compass. <laughs> Hell, they probably were getting it the whole fucking time, because, I mean, like, when we do the compass course in the Army, they'd, half the time they'd be in a fucking bombing range, and yeah, it'll, like, you know, it's a magnetic compass. If there's, mm-hmm. like, the hull of a tank fucking buried under the dirt, oh, yeah, your, your compass it can will- can be skewed. It'll skew. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the three pack up and left, and Dietz never saw them again. No good. So now they're down to 12. Good and riddance. These guys don't believe in my mission, and they can't tell the reactions either. Uh, they'd be stuck in their cabin for only seven months. Only that, yeah. Uh, Dietz began to read the Bible more, since it probably was the only book they had. Yep. Same with the others. Uh, they didn't leave their sleeping bags, didn't change their clothes. They ate once a day, mostly crumbs. 
they kept the fire going, but two feet away from the f- uh, away, it froze. Wait, what froze? The everything. Everything. Oh, okay. Oh, two, <laughs> two feet away from the fire, everything froze. Yes. Okay, cool. I thought you meant the fire froze. I'm like, nope, nope, that's not how that works. The men developed rheumatism, bed sores, and loose teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that pulled from their gums with bare hands. Oh. So they ate meat raw, lacking the energy or interest to cook it. God mm. damn it, Well, dude. I mean, there's worse things than raw bacon and raw fish, I guess. I'm just trying to imagine eating raw meat with, like, fucking teeth just falling out of your head. Yep. Uh. So yeah. after four months of continuous fire, they ran out of wood and were forced to go out and cut some. Damn it. But they had grown weak from sitting around. After the first outing, they all made excuses not to go out again. <laughs> they tried to burn everything they could, including the bones of a bear, which stunk up the cabin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Yankee Candle scent, number 408, <laughs> bo- bear bone. <laughs> bear bone. Uh, more months passed. Uh, Dietz wanted to die, but that self-preservation thing kept them alive yeah. for some reason. Eventually, it warmed up. The men went back to prospecting. The men found some copper, then a few fine grains of gold. Ooh. But that would be the only gold they would find on their expedition. The real treasure is friendship. The friends you made along the way. <laughs> the friends you lost in crevasses along the way. <laughs> so you sent three, men's, uh, three men out to scout around, but they didn't return. <laughs> uh, they sent out a rescue party, but... Um, they didn't... Re- no, they, they returned. Uh, oh, to rescue the three guys. They yeah. found their tent abandoned. Uh, nearby was an avalanche, and they assumed that they were last in the avalanche. So oh. now they're down to nine people. Well, did they already have the guy run naked into the storm that they had to get, or is that somebody else? Mm, might be somebody else. Oh. I don't know. It, it might have been Jack it, London. It probably happens It might have been time. Jack London's party before he went to move into his own apartment. Oh, yeah. It might have been that one. The rest decided they would leave Alaska while they could. <laughs> Their food and ammo were almost gone. And that was the summer of 1899. The ammo implies that they actually had done some hunt. Well, the bears, I guess. They've been just shooting the piss out of bears. <laughs> Tonight we're going to party like it's 1899. <laughs> yep. Uh, they would wait till the first snow, then head to the ocean. But no one knew how to get there. <laughs> what about those cool guy compasses you have yeah, there, right? Uh The maps were with one of the guy who died in the avalanche. Oh, fuck. They were just going to follow the river downhill. They killed six of their dogs for meat and... And to feed the rest of their dogs. And to send the other dogs a message. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they stockpiled smoked fish. Uh, they grew weaker as they waited for the snow to fall. Then another man died, just because. Yeah. So they're down to eight now. They set out on the frozen river and came across an Indian village. Uh, Dietz was given seal meat, but found it he was too weak to chew. <laughs> too drunk to fuck, too weak to chew. Uh, the Indians directed the party south. Uh, they then found themselves on the far western arm of a mammoth glacier that they had crossed before. Before, Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but they have less guys and less sleds. That's true. What could go wrong? Yeah. And they still have those trusty compasses and their meat goggles. <laughs> they thought of recrossing the glacier, but that was too much to bear. <laughs> yeah. One man, Evan, saw his frostbit feet swell to twice their size. Ah! He laid down on his sled and never moved again. Oh. So now God. down to seven. Uh, the dogs pulled their sleds till their boss, uh, paws were bloody. Then the men started to eat the dogs. Good job. Fuck. Balto. Like, <laughs> now come here. <laughs> they stumbled down the glacier for weeks, and instead of white on the horizon, they finally saw blue. They finally made it to the ocean. 
They killed the remaining dogs. <laughs> <laughs> then they ate Robin's minstrels. And there was much rejoicing. Uh, the last to go was Dietz's uh, St. Bernard, whom he shared his bed with oh, the whole winter before. That has some implications. When the dog ran out, they ate dead fish washed up on shore. Fuck yeah. Then they started to die one by one. The bounty of the sea. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Why? What, why would eating rotten fish? You know how fucking hungry you'd have to be to just like pick up dead fish on the... On the Fucking beach. I think sure these guys are being pretty hungry at God this point. God damn it, man. Uh, hey, at least <clears throat> the dead fish are probably mushy, so you can gum them with That's your... true, yeah. Of uh, the 19 guys who set out, three survived along with Dietz. So I guess that would be four. Uh, they were picked up by Coast Guard Cutter, USS Walcott, in the spring of eight, 1900. Is That's that, What the fuck are you guys doing <laughs> out here? That's two full years after they left Yakutat. Good God. <laughs> fuck. Could you imagine being that fucking Coast Guard boat? Just like, what the fuck? Sail away, sail away. When to go, fuck. <laughs> uh, two of the guys were permanently blinded by the snow. Mm. <laughs> One was permanently insane. Uh, Dietz did make it back to New York City to probably teach gymnastics at the YMCA again. Or to stand on the street corner <laughs> fucking brandishing his genitals at passersby yeah. and screaming Bible verses. <laughs> I've seen the glacier. Don't trust the Native American guides. Only the compass can show you true north. Now eat some dog meat and burn a bear bone. So that's that story. Yep. Fuck, man. So they made like a little <laughs> copper and some pyrite. Gold and yeah. Learned some valuable camping experiences. Yeah, right. Try to cross a 19,000 foot mountain at sea, by sea level? Yeah, well, you know. Not every bid can be good at this. In fact, almost none of these guys are. So. <laughs> uh, back to Jack London. Yes. So he's trapped in uh, his cabin with his friends. But he was uh, kind of wearing thin on his buck ma- bunk mates. His tales of hoboing were growing thin on the others. He's like, pretty Here's much, a tale of hoboing. Yeah. This one time we stole a pie that was cooling on a housewife's fucking, what do they call it, windowsill. Jesus. Yeah, windowsill. Pie rack. And then this time at Burning Man. <laughs> uh, when London damaged Sloper's axe while cutting ice, uh, Sloper grabbed for his gun, or Slopper. slopper. I, I prefer Slopper. Yeah, they're starting to get so, so bad, 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 bad. So London thought it was time to move on yep. uh, to Henderson Creek where he staked his claim. Oh, you tell me he thought it, it was time to move on because the dude just tried to shoot him? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like this roommate situation is not working out. <laughs> this is a toxic environment. I yeah, cannot yeah. be here right now. <laughs> He found an abandoned cabin, uh, so he moves in. Clean, cleans the bones of the previous occupant out of the <laughs> bunk. And London began to get scurvy. He knew vegetables would be the cure, but there's none around, so no baby carrots for him. Fucking pine needles, Jack. He would spit outside. It would uh, freeze before it hit the ground, he said. Fuck. Nah, I've been there. Yep. And, uh, that meant it was more than 50 below, anyway. So so close to death, he decides that what he he should do what he always wanted to do is right is right not work at a pickle factory. Yep. Uh, moving on, January eighteen ninety eight to Samuel Steele, the Northwest Mounted Police. Oh yes, fucking kind of a what would you call this guy? Like a Mountie? He's a Mountie, but he's not just any Mountie. He's like the long dick of the law coming oh. to coming to fuck order and justice into the <laughs> Yukon. <laughs> Uh, he mean, was sent to the Klondike look, to calm things down. Look at this down. fucking guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I see that. It's pretty much like Canadian Theodore Roosevelt. Pretty much, yeah. With, and, well, with fuck, a little more pompousness. And his name's fucking S- Sam Steele? Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. And he's going to become, what, Lieutenant Colonel or Colonel Sam Steele? 
It says Colonel yeah. in the book. Oh, okay. He gets uh, a promotion to go to go do Yukon Justice. Cool. Which isn't that like a show on Discovery? <laughs> Is it? I don't know. Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police with Yukon King, swiftest and strongest lead dog breaking the trail in the relentless pursuit of lawbreakers in the wild days of the Yukon. Back to the days of the gold rush as Sergeant Preston with his wonder dog Yukon King meets the challenge of the Yukon. This is the Yukon, the territory patrolled by Sergeant Preston, where man and nature combine pitilessly to defeat the weak and the artless. Up until then, there had been very little police presence there, obviously. There's been very little presence there. I mean, there'd been presence there for thousands of years, but they yeah. didn't really need police. <laughs> uh, 200 men were sent. His first order was to establish posts on the border at the Chilkoot and White Passes, which is easy to do. Then go to Dawson and set up headquarters there. Steele would be promoted to lieutenant colonel. He had to spend six weeks at Skagway waiting for his men to show up, though. He was abhorred by the lawlessness and mob rule. Uh, one man was caught stealing. He escaped and ran away. While running, he shot himself in the head. <laughs> like on accident? No. no. I, they was because uh, I think they were going to hunt him down or something, yep. right? Yeah. Because his friend who didn't escape got 50 lashes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. fuck. The source of the crime was Soapy Smith and his gang. Whoa. You, you've seen that picture of Soapy. Before. Have I? I don't know that yeah. I have. I, thought, I I got to send you some from my timeline. I should have brought the timeline one. There's a pretty good one of Soapy and his gang where Soapy actually looks hard. Because right now he kind of looks half asleep. Jeff Soapy Smith. Yep. Oh, he hated being called Soapy. But we, we in the Soapy Smith yeah, episode, yeah. we described why he's called Soapy Smith. Yeah, yeah. He did the kind of the money in the, money in the soap, soap thing. grift. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one night, Steele was sleeping on the floor. That was a good thing because if he was laying on the bed, he would have been hit. By a stray bullet from a running gunfight outside. Holy shit. And once again, this is the guy that's supposed to bring law and order to this. He's just waiting for his troops to show up, and he's not impressed by what he sees. And yeah. He's building anger, animus, and kind of coming up with ideas on how we're going to, like I said, fuck the, fuck the law into this place. Gotcha. At the end of a bayonet. He couldn't wait to get out of Skagway, obviously. So he goes up to Diam and up the Chilkoot in the teeth of a blizzard in mid-March. There he sees all the graves line, lining the trail. Well, at least somebody got up there to bury some people. Mm -hmm. uh, it snowed heavily for weeks. Then a warm air blew from the south. The Indian packers wouldn't go, and the sourdoughs wouldn't, but the new stampeders pressed on. See, the Indians are like, nah. And the sourdoughs are like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but these fucking, what are they called again? The, uh, the greenhorn. The, uh, but they're... Chichakus. Yeah, yeah. They're all like, what do you, it's nice out. Yeah, the air's nice and warm. Then the weather shifted again and got more snow. So this is snow, warm, and then snow, which is good for what? Avalanche? Yay! Yay! Sunday, April 3rd, 1898, 
there's actually five different avalanches. Uh, the last was so vast and deadly it overshadowed the others. A crowd from sheep camp ran up uh, to the rescue. They dug out one woman, and she said her husband was still buried. They had him half unburied when a second avalanche hit, and they left him to be buried a second time. <laughs> the avalanche covered 10 acres and 30 feet of snow. So all across the fields, men dug out the corpses. They were transported to sheep camp, and petty thieves stripped them of anything valuable. No one knew exactly how many died, but probably close to 100. Some bodies weren't recovered until the snow melted, of course. Some bodies were probably not recovered at all. Uh, Steele didn't go up the Chilkoot. He went back to Skagway and took his horse up the Dead Horse Trail. We don't go to the Chilkoot. We go back to the Skagway. Uh, Steele was sick and exhausted. His horse fell, taking him over a few times. Oh, yeah. And gets a saddle horn in the gut, but both were fine. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. That's the thing. Is like, and also, you got to remember, Steele's RCMP, so... He's used to a horse kind of being like a motorcycle. He's willing to ride off a cliff anyway. Yeah, like, right. so. so his first task, he kind of succeeded. He sealed the border against Americans. He put up guards with Maxim machine guns. Yes. Well, and also using the pass, like some of the upper, higher elevations, using those as kind of, he kind of built a castle using a mountain pass. Cool. Like some log walls integrated with like mountain pass where you put machine gun nests up on top of those mm. and. So it was kind of a no fucking around little outpost. Oh, I also wanted to mention, like, Steele was one of the people that uh, when Sitting Bull fled up, and his people fled up to Canada after the Little Bighorn, he's one of the people that orchestrated sending them back to the States and surrendering. Oh, oh no shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he'd been around. He'd been he'd been yeah, doing yeah. stuff since before, like, at least 1876. Damn. His second task was a little more difficult to save the mob from themselves. At Lake Bennett, he found a camp of 30,000 miners. This is before they get started gold fields. Before they started ever mm-hmm. mining. And Perspective his or- miners. His orders would bring law and order, which I'm sure he was easy. Oh, yeah. What he needed was food and a dose of sanity for these people. Uh, Steele's first major act was to require each man across the pass to carry one ton of food enough to last a year. Which actually, I know I'm looking at Tony's face and he's looking incredulous, but think about all the last things we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah I'm just imagining and like- they're carrying- Each carrying a ton, like not all in one trip. I mean, be better organized and yeah. figure out how to do it because you're going to need that ton. Yeah. You, you need no, enough shit for a year. Right. We've clearly shown this yes. after all the dog eating and starving and teeth falling out and, yeah. you know- so that at least increased the food supplies in Dawson and turned around the people who weren't prepared. Right. And that was another thing that would help increase the food supply is the guy that showed up with, like, a sack of potatoes and a carton of eggs. Right. And they get, like, they'll just sell their shit to somebody else and head back to Seattle or do whatever. And they just want to kind of, like, recoup whatever money they spent. Yeah. You know? Uh, second act was to inspect every boat before it left Lake Bennett. So, less people drowning. Now. Hey, this is a real piece of shit. You're not allowed to sail it, basically. Okay, some some kind of oversight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to Jack London. His scurvy was getting worse, and one of his legs was limp. So, if he didn't get treatment, he'd soon die. See, the way I read it, it was not so much limp. It's that he couldn't, like, make it go far away from his body anymore. It was, like, clutched it's up. It's like atrophy. It was, like, <clears throat> clutched up like this. Yeah, yeah. Rigor mortis in his leg? Kind of. Uh, so, he had to get to Dawson. London found a new traveling companion named Doc Harvey. Though not a real doctor, he was willing to perform surgery. (laughs) Excellent. 
at the cabins at Stewart Island, one man broke his ankle on the pass. Surgery. Oh, I had already broke his ankle the previous mm-hmm. winter, I think. Yep, and it started to gangrene. Oh, shit. London let them use his emergency jug of whiskey for anesthetic. Which he had actually, and it wasn't even a jug the way I read it. It was just like a little bit, which he had in his medical kit. And the whole time he was living alone in his studio apartment getting scurvy and writing. Yeah. He was like resisting every day. He was like, I want to drink the whiskey, but I need it for medicinal. And so these two assholes, he like hands it off to gangrene man and doc who's not Fake a doc doctor, yeah. and of course they just share it fucking mm-hmm. don't give him any yep man then uh doc got down to cutting and the man survived so yep. wow mm. he just chopped his fucking leg off foot, mm-hmm. foot. yeah foot like above the ankle oh sure. broken ankle right but like you know i'm just like hey drink this it's gonna hurt and one for the doctor and one for you and one for the doctor and jack's like uh excuse how about, me how about yeah. for the anesthesiologist or the, yeah yeah <laughs> So they're out of liquor now, and they're eager for the river to, to melt. Doc Harvey had to construct a raft by himself. London had $5 in gold in his pocket and eager to be cured. After seven months, the stampede was back on in April. Uh, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Sam Steele looked over the motley collection of boats at Lake Bennett. With disgust. He counted 7,142 boats. With disgust. Jesus Christ. Loaded with 30 million pounds of supplies. I don't and, know how you count all that. But and yeah. disgusting people. <laughs> Most men never piloted a boat, let alone build one. The mounted police inspected a fifth of the boats a week before the breakup. And another 7,000 boats were waiting upstream at Lake Lindemann. Well, that's another thing about Sam Steele is he does actually know a boat shit. Uh, when he grew up in the east part of Canada, he was like, Depth with like canoe, like straight up voyageur canoe shit. Yeah. So he actually would go out on the lake for fun and to kind of check people out. So, so maybe they had about fifteen thousand in the initial rush, but every day more men came across the passes. At one set of rapids, one hundred fifty boats and ten men were lost in a day. Because <laughs> I'm sure, like they were patiently waiting one at a time to enter. It wasn't oh, like yeah. just flushing, out a, of my way. basically flushing a toilet with a bunch of like <laughs> toy boats in it. <laughs> So Steele addressed the crowd, ready to run the rapids. He ordered everybody out of their boats to walk the five miles around the rapids. Yeah. They allowed a few qualified pilots to run boats through for $5 each. Well, that was especially, in the, and like uh, women and children were not allowed to ride. His, his, he literally said, uh, any of the women and children that were strong enough to make it this far can walk the five fucking miles. Yeah. Yeah. Simple as that. There you go. But after he intervened, not a single boat was lost. So wow, saving lives. Holy shit, dude. It's almost like sometimes you need some kind of regulations on yeah. stuff. <laughs> Ooh, what a concept. So what the Chichakus found in May 1898 in Dawson when they finally got there was a noisy, crowded, muddy, drunk, flooded streets. Welcome to fucking Deadwood, kind of. Rampant with typhoid and syphilis. Mm, mm. Super duper. Um Every inch of the creek surrounded Dawson within uh, two dozen miles were already staked. All the best claims were taken. All the businesses were established. All the overworked uh, prostitutes were worn raw as the stampeders' feet, says so the books. God damn it, man. (sighs) Occupational hazard. Well, I think, didn't they say uh, how many thousand dudes and then how many dozens of dancing girls? I mean, it was the... The uh, uh, the disparity amongst professions is staggering. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, 100 clients to one kind of, and that's assuming not everybody's trying to take advantage of yeah. the 
what the charms yes of a, yeah fuck man but the guys who came in 1898 were too late the mob came all the way for nothing gold was worth 17 dollars an ounce and anything could be bought for it it was considered bad manners to watch the proprietor weigh out the dust so they generally lick their fucking fingers and then, you know, pinch a little extra off. You know, yeah, you yeah. putting it on the scale, and then they'd do shit like that, or, like, they show it in Deadwood sometimes. You, you know, you wear hair oil. Yeah, yeah. That, occasionally you kind of do that. Yeah, yeah, that shit That shit stuck with me. It was, like, one of the first things we talked about, at least season one, when, like, the bartenders had grease back hair because the tips they would get was, like, gold dust, and yeah. they would, like, put it in their or hair. Some, well, like I said, more like sometimes they're, like, weighing it out. Yeah, and like you stash it in your hair. Oh, and kind of, yeah. Scratch, scratch it back of your head. Mm-hmm. The family-friendly entertainment was moving pictures. Oh, yeah, which was... Of the Spanish-American War. Oh, shit, the ones that got... Uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. San Juan Hill and yep. the Rough Rider East stuff. Tickets for that were $1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terrific night, scenes of battle. Mm-hmm. Night was bright as day, and newcomers would ask, what time is it? And they would say 10 o'clock, and you would say, is it day or night? <laughs> uh, the river was flooded in Dawson. Boatmen would ferry uh, men... Down Front Street. Oh, good. Like, like, uh, like shit. Venice. Yeah, I was gonna say like shitty, Ven- shitty Venice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they delivered miners to the saloon for uh, fifty cents a head. Those with actual cabins slept on the roof to avoid the water. Uh, oh, when Jesus. When the water receded, horses and carriages sunk to the axle because oh, of the mud. Oh, horses have axles. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> By midsummer, there was fifteen thousand people in Dawson and more coming, and like five hundred structures. Mm-hmm. Most were broke, hungry, and all the claims were taken. Uh, some sold their outfits for a dollar a pound. Um, and by but, outfit, we mean like all the shit they brought to go be a... Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's food, that's shovels, that's pans. So, but the old-timer sourdoughs just wanted the underwear, tobacco, and tin food. Right. Just the good stuff, leaving piles of unwanted pickaxes and cooking pans yep, thrown out in the street. There's plenty of those around for the few people that are actually mining. Uh, Belinda Mulrooney... She was the owner of Grand Forks and Fairview Hotels. She was a short woman with a loud voice. This is the Fairview Hotel. Pretty dope. Oh, yeah. And then Belinda Mulrooney. Oh, there she is. Cool. She looks more like a school teacher than what uh, she ends up being like. Madam? Yeah. Yeah. Not just Madam. She's a pretty savvy business person. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had a St. Bernard for protection who was bigger than her. It reminded her of her childhood pal, a donkey she won at a church raffle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, because wasn't she from uh, somewhere? I don't know, somewhere in Scotland, or Ireland. Yeah, must, must have been. Yeah, uh, she was already in Alaska when the boom happened. Happened. She hit the Chilkoot Trail March of 1897, six months before the mob. When she arrived, Carmack and Barry had just found the gold. Soon, she built the nicest hotel in Dawson and became the richest woman in Dawson. Whoa. And you got to remember, women still weren't allowed to, like, do, wear, wear do, pants and own businesses. Do stuff. Yeah. You could kind of own a business. Like, if she was in the lower 48, there's no fucking way she'd have been able yeah, to yeah. do this. Yeah, because uh, at that point, you were property. You're but, either you're either property of your father or your right, husband. But right, but she didn't have neither of those with her, and they needed the shit she was providing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is this at the point where she was, a lot of times with the restaurants, she'd like, hey, dickhead, uh Give me your shit you brought, and I'll cook it for you. I'll charge you money to cook the, your own right. shit. Yeah, you know, and like, they would ha- like a, happily do that because their cooking sucked. You yeah, know, like it's like bars in Utah. Bring yeah. your own beer, and we'll right. or bring your own liquor, and we'll open it for you. Yeah. Pour it out. 
So June 1897, this is before the boom, there's 600 men living in Dawson. Provision them fell to two companies, the Alaska Commercial Company, the ACC, and the North American Transportation and Trading Company, the NAT. The owner of the NAT was a belligerent, John Healy. He had a scarred nose from a fight with a dog in an Indian tent. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell yeah. (laughs) He called searching for gold nonsense. And he let others break their backs. In Montana, he sold guns and whiskey to white men and Indians alike and it antagonized each side against each other. Yeah, but wasn't the stuff he sold the Indians generally the bug juice stuff that had the... Chewing tobacco. It was mostly chewing tobacco. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And uh, something else. Uh, like wood alcohol? Just something to give it the right color. What's that shit, pine top? Pine top was, yeah, that was a thing. That that was a... Not black bark. That, oh, that was a... Uh, what's his fuck? Shooty guy. Ned Christie? No, other shooty guy. Uh, Friends with the Earps shooty guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Luke Short. Yeah, Luke Short, yeah. Uh, He once ran for sheriff in uh, Chateau County, Montana. He told voters, if you're going to steal horses in the next two years, you better vote against me. For by God, if I catch him, I'll hang him. (laughs) Shit. Well, and he had done some stuff. I mean, he was, what, he was, uh, he did some Indian War shit and like... uh, He'd been out and about. Mm-hmm. Like that's well, you know, aside from the scarred face from the dog, Indian dog fight, in the Indian tent. dog fight. He had like a fucked up eye. Although the pictures of him, they're not. He doesn't look that fucked up. But the book keeps on describing his. I can't remember what he calls it, like a lapsed eye or some shit like that. But mm-hmm. you now it looks normal enough to me. But but yeah, he had some gunfighting shit. Or, or oh, are you going to talk about that? Uh, I don't know about that. Well, where I think it was. Was it Wolf Guys or something like that? He, I don't know. He got in a fight with like several dudes. I think like a dozen dudes. I think it was just him by himself with like a sawed-off shotgun, his pistol, and a Winchester. That's what and, he was and, carrying? Yeah, and yeah. like attacked by a dozen dudes or got into some shit with a dozen dudes and fought him off. Fuck. Killed several of them. Some fucking this man- is, Mandalorian this shit. This is not a fucking around yeah. guy. Damn, dude. Uh, but he was one of the first white guys in the area in 1886. Uh, by the time the gold rush got going, he was kind of the town tycoon. He owned a 240-foot boat named after himself, and he owned a bar that also he named after himself. Yep. <laughs> so Trump Tower, Trump Boat. Trump. Right. Uh, Belinda Mulrooney was his main competition for ty- town tycoon. Uh, she left Ireland, then to Pennsylvania, then to Chicago. During the World's Fair in 1893, opened a restaurant there. Then went up to Dawson, opened a restaurant there for $2 a meal. Then hotels. She opened the Grand Forks at the junction of Bonanza and El Dorado Creeks. Uh, She got news of strikes before the word got down to Dawson. And she traded goods for shares in the new finds. So she's pretty smart. Savvy. Uh, 1897, the food began to run low in Dawson. Uh, A steamer was robbed in Circle City, which is nice, which is still a long ways away. Right. Three others were stuck on sandbars 250 miles away. On the ship that was robbed was one of Healy's business partners, Eli Ware. When Healy met him on the wharf, he asked him how much of the food was left. Ware said not to worry. There was enough whiskey and hardware on the ship for everybody. Mm. Healy didn't think that was funny, and it got his Irish up, and he throttled Ware until he passed out. Did what? Got his Irish up? It means he got pissed off. Mm-hmm. I've oh, never heard that okay, before. Okay, I, I, I found the thing in the book where, uh, da, 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 at Fort Whoop Up, he stared down bands 
uh, blood and black feet and flathead, and armed with a sawed-off double-barrel shotgun, a pair of revolvers, and a Winchester repeating rifle, faced off alone against 18 wolf poachers of the roving militia known as the Spitzy Cavalry. What the fuck? <laughs> so, not to be fucked with. Fuck no. Damn, dude. Thank you, Brian Kastner. Citation. Yep. But he throttled his business partner till he passed out. Yeah. And Healy was drug off him. Two days later, the RCMP posted warnings around town to leave that there'd be not enough food for the winter. Basically, winter is coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanson, the local manager of the ACC, went around telling everybody to get out of town. Mm, Bob, get the fuck out. Mm, Bob, get- <laughs> Don't go anywhere. How the West was fucked will be right back. Hi, this is Snake Bliskin for Snake Bliskin's Kicking Stack Oil Elixir and Pink Rimmer. You know, when I'm busy escaping New York and I need my constitution revitalized, I take me some of my kicking snake oil. It combines several of the world's deadliest vipers and some of Colombia's finest cocaine, added with a splash of my secret mix of herbs and spices and laudanum. And voila, it's Snake Plissken's kicking snake oil. Heck, it even prevents metro bombs from going off in your heart if you don't rescue the president. Try Snake Plissken's Kickin' Snake Oil Elixir today. It'll help you escape. Uh, Healy didn't get hysterical. He said that they should work together. Yep. Uh, Hanson had flour, but no bacon. Healy had bacon, but no flour. Aww. Damn it. <laughs> it's the meat You cute? put my peanut butter in my chocolate. Or I put your peanut butter in my chocolate, yeah. Uh, Healy had faced starvation before in Montana, but Hansen declined and said, oh, I must fill my orders. Ooh. Capitalism, capitalism. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the miners held a meeting and decided to ration what the town had. Mulrooney's restaurant had to close in Dawson, but the one at Grand Forks remained open. Hundreds did leave, though the sour, you know, um, the sourdoughs thought this meant certain death if you didn't leave. Right. That's what I meant. And they're generally pretty, pretty good at you know, since they're the guys that have been here since, since a long time. Since time in yeah. Right. Uh, two steamers left, but it only got as far as Circle City. Healy canceled all his orders and rationed everything in his warehouse, no matter who had purchased it. Uh, the ACC stores got cleaned out, though. Healy made a promise to Dawson, some may go hungry, but none will starve. Then added, if there's starvation, it won't be until spring. Yep. So he keeps the town together. Damn. Uh, the mounted police agreed to guard the warehouse and shot thieves. Uh, Healy sent a runner to the coast to get the government to declare martial law. Adney, the reporter, if you still remember him from oh, yeah, years yeah. Before, last week, he got there finally Halloween of 1897, one of the last boats to make it. Uh, what six, was he dressed up like? Uh, like a gymnast. <laughs> uh, 6,000 people were stuck in Dawson that winter. Some tried to make it out, only to be turned back including the poet of the Sierras, Joaquin Miller, who lost all his fingers except for one. Oh, oh that's all you really need. Uh, two businesses were busy during that winter, the bars and the hospital. Uh, sawdust <laughs> for beds, though. Yeah, no, Bring ho- your own sheets. The hospital sucked pretty hard. Yeah. That's because three or four people died per day. Well, it's also because what they had a veterinarian working as a doctor. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's when it picked up because yeah. he agreed to act as surgeon. Uh, I need to get my kid declawed. Can you do that for me? (laughs) 
Father Judge, who ran the hospital, died too. On his deathbed, he said, this is the happiest moment of my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's finally all over. Well, okay, we should also, okay, because, okay, we've established that Healy's kind of like a a hard ass, but he's also a shrewd businessman, but he's he's helping out with the overall let's not let people starve kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of the reason of that is he had uh, kind of almost become the victim of ca- uh, cannibalism at some point. Oh, when shit. they were uh, being pursued by the Bannocks, oh. uh, one of his one of his uh, partners, like you know, they were starving. He's one of his partners, like it's not going to be easy to do, but I'm going to shoot this guy and eat him. And uh, I think he just kind of like ran away. No, he re- took the guy's gun away. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. But he didn't get eaten. So he's seen some pretty fucked up shit. He's seen in that way. He's definitely. like, he's like, we're not going to let well, anybody get to that point. The, the tent dog fight, the cannibalism, yeah. the let's fight off fight eighteen off bandits. Guys, yeah. I mean, his his LinkedIn page is a fucking <laughs> mess. Uh, Tap and Adney was interested in writing about miners, not the drunks in the bars. So he went up Bonanza Creek to watch men dig by melting holes in the frozen ground. It's got to be good. It's yep. the YouTube of eighteen ninety. But Dawson withered, but did not die. Healy's rationing made him unpopular, but it did work. In February, reindeer were sent in. Oh, yeah. From Holy where? Po- like Finland? The North Pole. Norway. Norway. So, because they have plenty of caribou in Alaska, but not but domesticated. Yes. And they're not in that part of the Alaska. No. They're up on the why? Arctic Circle. Like, why because, did they send in reindeer? Because, okay, think about the problems we had getting horses over there. So if you're not getting horses across here, you're not getting cattle. Okay. Right, and there's not a lot of game left because there's, you know, we have scoured the earth. There's barely trees left at this point, right. so there's not going to be any game. So they have like Operation Dumbo Drop, where they get a bunch of like <laughs> reindeer reindeer herders, like uh, like I guess you would call them uh, Sami, or like back in the day you call them Laplanders, but yeah. Sami. Oh yeah. And, uh, and they got some like reindeer herders and some reindeer, and like what shipped them across the Atlantic, and then put them on a train. Something, yeah. To like Seattle (laughs) or to somewhere. (laughs) And then they were trying to drive the reindeer to, you know, oh, we're going to have this whole herd of meat on the hoof that can survive Arctic temperatures. But what's the problem with reindeer? What do they eat? Uh, Stuff that rather around the, you know, Arctic Circle that's, you know, probably mossy and stuff like that. Yeah, they eat a lot of lichen Lichen. and what they literally call reindeer moss. Okay. And then you can also get vitamin C out of eating the reindeer moss. You can't digest reindeer moss very good. But if you butcher a reindeer, sure. you can eat its stomach contents and get vitamin C and ward off scurvy, which indigenous people up there have been doing for right. as long as they've been there. But the problem with where we're at in southern Alaska it's is no there's, moss. there's no fucking reindeer moss. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and 350 died before they gave up of the 539 of them. Oh, Jesus. And the rest were so scrawny that they weren't worth eating. So they just kind of abandoned all these reindeer. God, that is so fucked. Oh, my God. <laughs> Told you there'd be a degree. Stick them stick on a boat, put them on a train, and then just like, whoa. Yeah, that didn't work. Everything We did everything we could. Well, maybe we can eat the Tommy. Uh, April, that's when the uh, breakup, the spring flood, happened and flooded Adney's cabin. And then as soon as that happens, you get mosquitoes, yep. which are merciless. So he returned to Dawson. Uh, ice flows the size of cabins wrecked a bridge over the Klondike. Then more people came. <laughs> hey, guys, what you been doing all winter? Oh, fuck. Help me. Uh, the first man in had eggs and sold them for $18 a dozen. Good God. <laughs> Not even powdered eggs. Wow, right. real. 
That's I, I was daydreaming when I was reading that part. Like, you know what you do is you get this barge, you put it far enough out where nobody can really fuck with you, and you just get chicken coops upon chicken coops, <laughs> and you just sit there and every day you send out a lackey in a rowboat with all your eggs, and then when the you know chickens stop laying, then you send some fresh chicken meat and repeat, repeat, repeat like a big chicken farm barge. <laughs> That's a good idea. Chicken bar. Until they all freeze and you get crushed by an ice. But. Uh, well, that's funny you mentioned that. A local newspaper suggested making a sausage factory. But using? Dogs. Because there's lots of dogs. And it, it wasn't because, you know, it was basically to cut down on the sheer number of dogs more than... <laughs> Spay and neuter your pets. Yep. <laughs> uh, Adney uh, met Henderson, the uh, racist guy who got screwed out of all the... Oh, yeah. Uh, he got his story out for Harper's, uh, and he's bitter and lame from his leg. Yep, and broke. Uh, London got to Dawson in May and went straight to the hospital. His leg was almost crippled. They gave him potatoes to eat and was told to leave to save himself. <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> if you want to live, leave get out of town. Get, yeah, I got you. Uh, Doc Harvey sold their boat for $600. Uh, London spent his share on two things, a little sailboat to make it out to St. Michael. Whiskey. And then, well, not just whiskey for him, buying drinks for all the sourdoughs and getting their stories, taking good notes of their tales of daring do and Mm -hmm. survival from which uh, mining the miners in a different way. Yeah. It's where Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, accusations of plagiarism come, but I mean, I feel like he came by them fair and square. He's not claiming he did the shit. Yeah, I know. It's it's somewhere between like uh, you know fiction writing and and like uh, it's it's fucking, some, it's, gon, it's Gonzo journalism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. Uh, early summer, Dawson. There was ten thousand people there. And more Chichakus kept it coming. A tramway was built to haul goods up the Chilkoot. Yay! Uh, White Pass would eventually become a railroad. By the end of summer, it doubled again to forty thousand people. Colonel Sam Steele tried to keep order, and he kind of failed. Well, kind of impossible task. You, yeah. All is well. All is well. Everyone be calm. A call that simply a hell upon earth, gamblers, thieves, and the worst kind of womankind. Yep. Yep. The worst kind of womankind? Worst yep. of womankind. I, I, I added an extra kind there, just to be kind. <laughs> just to be kind of kind? Mm-hmm. Kind of. Uh, Steele arrived in Dawson in September after supervising all the boats down the lakes. He couldn't wait to clean up the town of Vice, but he didn't really make a dent. Mulrooney built a three-story new hotel and insulated it with sawdust. Well, that's the thing is she also made a bet with the guy because up until this point, she's like, you know what we do about the flooding is you just build third stories on all these two-story buildings we have. And they're like, stupid fucking woman, how are you supposed to put a stove on a third floor? (laughs) What an asshole. (laughs) And then so she bet a guy that she would have it done and then she had the workmen that she hired make other side bets that she could have it done that she staked so oh my god in the end i mean she got it done and i think she made like something like 100 like almost 100 grand or she was owed almost 100 grand for that other dude yeah damn dude uh her bar would make a thousand dollars a night uh she served oysters one month before they faced starvation i believe it's what it's the uh the what the what's called uh fairview i think is the one she, yep, because that's three floors. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They even had electricity, probably thanks to an 800 yep. pound dynamo. So, yeah, they just found it in the, yeah. in the bushes. <laughs> hey, check it out. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Healy had left the winter in September 1898, and so he wasn't facing starvation again. He was worth $1.5 million. That's uh, 10% of the gold that mined that year. But uh, Mulrooney stayed, uh, and Skagway, all construction materials went to the lane of track over White Pass. Back in Skagway in 1898, a year into the stampede, newcomers were offered by packers to carry their stuff over the pass. They loaded up and never saw their stuff again. <laughs> nope. All, well, also at this point, the newcomers were pretty easy to pick out because, like, uh, you know what a Mackinac jacket is? No. You do. You would if you saw one. Okay. They're the red and red and black plaid jackets. Oh, like, okay. Kinda, yeah. Those would become vogue. So, like, the people that had been there a while are all wearing like fucking furs and like lynx skins and seal skin boots and mucklucks and shit. Yeah. And like these douchebags are showing up wearing their fucking oh, LL, LL Bean LB, shit. LL Bean shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some guys were told they didn't have the right gear and that they would buy them off them. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll get you set up. You got the, you brought the wrong shit, but I'm I'm gonna hook you up. Yeah. Right. Okay. We'll, we'll give you the I'll give you good trading value for your shit. This shit I shouldn't because it's shit. You <laughs> see, but I'm gonna sell you the right shit. Okay. Because I'm, I'm a good guy. Because I'm a good guy. Yeah. Then of course they would turn around and sell that same stuff to the next person. Yeah. Oh, your shit's all <laughs> fucked up. I got this brand new inventory that I just got from just the, came the in inventory store. <laughs> Uh, and of course, the the guys would tell the newcomers not to trust anyone because everybody was scoundrels except for him. But yeah, for you me, can trust me though. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, I'm, about, I'm your best friend. That's the fucking Alex Jones vibes. Oh no shit! Don't believe anyone <laughs> yeah. except for me. Fucking globalist <laughs> trying to sell you the wrong shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the uh, they would recommend a saloon owned by Jeff Smith. Mm. Soapy. Soapy. Yep. Soon the drunks would get into a fight, and the newcomer would somehow get into the brawl himself. And the scrum, his wallet, would be stolen. Yep. Because it's Soapy's guys yeah, faking, yeah, faking, faking a, fight. a fight. I think we did talk about that in the Soapy Smith episode. I like the word scrum, though. That's yep. just, that's like in a cartoon brawl, that's the ball of, of yeah. like yeah, dust. It's and actually shit. a rugby term. It's like when oh, they're, I didn't know yeah, that. yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessarily originated as a rugby term, right. but it still is a rugby okay. term. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just a ball of dust with like a hand comes mm-hmm. flying out every once in a while. Biff. Yeah. Skirplonk. Thwap. Yep. Uh, his ticket office sold fake steamship tickets. Mm-hmm. Well, they're real tickets, but they didn't go to. They they were. They're real know. tickets to nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and well, and also some real fake ass gold claim title, mm-hmm. and I think business licenses. Probably, probably and, hunting yeah. licenses and fishing licenses. Oh, they didn't worry about shit like that. <laughs> uh, real estate sold phony deeds. Of yeah. course, uh, the telegraph line went to, to nowhere. nowhere. Yep, that's right. Everybody worked for Soapy. Uh, Reverend John Bowers knew all the secret handshakes of fraternal orders. Oh, yeah. And also, didn't he have, like, all the pins? Like, if oh, mm-hmm. I need Knights of Columbus. So he, like, goes through, oh, shit. Oh, man, secret handshake. Oh, shit, Masons. Like, puts, puts on, on the on thing. Puts on a new Mason's badge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yep. And then just lead him off to be ripped off. Fuck. Uh, that's, a very, that's a very niche skill. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. What do they call him? Like, I think he called him a pin man because of the, the different oh, the fraternal pins uh-huh. he had. Yeah. Uh, so- Soapy was too well known throughout the West for his con games, so he went to Alaska. That's right. the last frontier, of course. He gets there August twenty second, eighteen ninety seven, less than a month after the first Chichacos. Chichi chi Chichacos. <laughs> Soapy argued that anyone dumb enough to fall for his schemes was not smart enough to survive in the wild, 
So he was doing a public service. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I'm helping you out. Yeah, yeah. You would have died up there you if, I died anywhere if I would have ripped you off. I mean, it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. I mean, your shit could just be laying out in the woods, but yeah. now it's going to go to good use. Yeah, at least it's now it's going to get used. Yep. Uh, of course, and then he hid in the name Soapy. He thought oh, it was yeah. pretty classless. So because he his also name was Jeff. Like being associated with the with the soap scheme he used to use. <laughs> January 1898, Andy McGrath, a laborer, claimed that he was cheated out of money. The bartender sold him poison liquor, and the sex worker he hired stole his money. (laughs) Fucking write a country song, dude. (laughs) McGrath was beaten when he came back to the bar to get his money back. Oh, yeah. Uh, McGrath got the Deputy Marshal James Rowan. Who was in town because his wife was about to give birth, and he was trying to summon a doctor. Mm -hmm. Okay, He's like, hey, give me your gun. I'm going to go in here and fuck this bartender up or something akin to that, he says to the marshal. <laughs> yep. And the marshal's like, how about I just go with you? The two men entered the saloon. McGrath went up to the bartender and took a swing at him. The bartender shot him. Oh. Uh, Deputy Rowan reached for uh, his weapon, and the bartender shot him. Oh. And both men died. Shit. Yep. And that's where public opinion got a little fucky mm-hmm. around Soapy because that evening... The marshal's wife gave birth, and yeah. there was these guys are some pretty callous motherfuckers. But you don't let some married lady that's not a sex worker or dance hall girl, you don't let her new expectant mother lose her husband in some kind of fuckery. Yeah, I learned I learned that from um, the Jack Mountain Jack Pike, right. Hard for Justice. Oh yes, gross. Soapy arranged uh, for the bartender to be uh, face trial in Sitka. And avoid the vigilance committee that was going right. to hang him. Yeah. Oh yeah, what are they called though? The 101, right? Is yeah. the vigilance committee in in uh, Skagway? Yep. Well, because like Soapy eventually builds his own fake militia. That's right. Calls it the 317 because that's actually just the address on his building. <laughs> but so claim claimed to have 317, <laughs> right? Which is more than 101. So right. yeah, See, yeah, we win. win. <laughs> ah, fuck! It's all coming back. It's been so long since we. It's been so long since we did that episode. And if you guys haven't heard it. Check out the Soapy Smith episode. That was like one of the first ones we did over um, Zoom. Over yeah, because well, it didn't work. No, it was work. before we got Zoom. We did it with uh, Skype, uh, Skype. And it did. I got kicked off. We got. We had, a, we had a special guest for a while, and then as soon as he signed on, I got kicked off, and I couldn't get back on. And okay. I could hear them talking shit about me the entire time, but I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, then then Chuck got eaten by uh, coyotes. coyotes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Rest in peace, man. As he always does. Mm-hmm. But uh, the trial for the. Uh, uh, bartender ended in a hung jury, and basically the town was kind of sick of Soapy and paying his protection money and all that. Yep. And also they started to put two and two together, like, it almost seems like this judge might have something to do with it. You know, What's judge almost, got to do? It almost seems like do, everybody that runs shit around here is somehow connected to Jeff Smith. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right about that time, the Spanish-American War started. Oh, yeah. You remember uh, this one, Tony? Uh, maybe. Okay, Spanish-American War took place in uh, Cuba. About as fucking far away from Alaska <laughs> yeah, as you I know. possibly That's why I'm get. Like, why does this have anything to do with? Well, Soapy's like, we got to watch out, patriotic Americans. The Spaniards are going to come and try to oh, seize our ports and fuck. all our gold. Jesus Christ, patriots, follow me! Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he you. wrote to McKinley to offer his services, uh, and he also called himself what a captain? Captain. Which he was not. Mm-hmm. And he got a letter back saying that they, only that they received the letter, nothing else, but he hung it on his wall on his bar. Well, because it was signed. showed it off. Dear, well, it said, Dear Captain Smith, we yep. have received your letter, so see, I'm a captain. That's like uh, Eric, it's like Eric uh, uh, he wrote a letter to 
to uh, oh Donald, yeah to Trump Donald Trump. Congratulations on your Eagle Scout, young yeah. man. <laughs> He's like, I'm a I'm a 17 year old boy, and I just became an Eagle Scout. And so he got a fucking from the desk of Donald J. Trump. Desk of Donald Donald J. Trump. Wow. Congratulations on becoming an Eagle Scout. That's a very patriotic American thing you've yeah, done. Blah blah blah, 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 blah blah Whatever the fuck. Fucking morons. <laughs> <laughs> Trump trucks. Nice. On May Day, so be organized a parade and let it. Yep. With uh, his... Freedom for Cuba. Yep. Uh, he also sued papers in Seattle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because the PI was talking shit about it. Or the, yeah, it was the PI, yep. Post Intelligencer. He sued, uh, sued him for accusing him of murder. Uh, he even attempted to rob the Canadian customs shipment out of Skagway, but yep. they were prepared for him. Soapy had grown reckless. He forced his way into being Grand Marshal on the Fourth of July parade. Uh, I yeah. love the "How dare you? How dare you call me a criminal? I'm going to prove I'm not by robbing this fucking well, yeah. shipment." And how <laughs> dare you abusing my power? Like they had a they had a different guy being the Grand Marshal, and Soapy was like something like for some reason they had a, a fourth or second, third, and fourth Grand Marshal, and Soapy was like at the end of the parade, supposed to be like riding his gray stallion or whatever, right. waving at the crowd. And he said, "Nah, fuck that shit," and just rode up to the head of the parade. And, oh. Kind of bumped the other guy out of his way and just kind of like, like Animal House at the end. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> laid him down. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen the the documentary about that dude, the, oh, it's great. The guy from uh, National not, Lampoons, not the net documentary, the biopic, I guess. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah the fucking uh, what a useless, uh, futile, useless gesture. Or yep. futile, yeah. What? How old is this movie? Couple of years. Couple of years. Really? It's really good. The two guys well, found in National really Lampoons. Yeah, yeah. And you get to see people playing like. Chevy Chase and, and Jim Belushi and... and uh, Harold Ramis, probably? Yeah, I think, yeah. And, uh, you know, Bill Murray and I think, what, Gilda Radner and mm-hmm. cool. all the things. Awesome. And some of them do a better job than others, but it's, still, it's pretty great. Did you just introduce yourself? Hey, my name is Doug Kenny. I started the uh, National Lampoon. What if you say, I was the man who changed comedy forever, but I couldn't change myself? Really? Blow me. Finally, after another robbery by his gang... The committee of 101 held a meeting. They ran out of room because they probably had 101 people. Mm-hmm. So they moved their meeting to the docks. Uh, four were chosen to guard the pier against Soapy and his men while the meeting went on. Oh, yeah. Only Frank Reed was armed, though. Uh, Soapy had been drinking heavily that day. <laughs> In preparation. And came down to the dock with his Winchester rifle alone, which is not too smart. No. Yep. Well, plus they were they had been warned he'd been kind of holed up in his place drinking because he was warned that we better do something now because he had he had spies all over and he's like ooh they keep on coming back he's like ooh they're gonna come for us yeah. we better make a move if we're gonna make a move he's like ah they can move them hide your as many hands goddamn good and ready they can fuck themselves I'm Jeff Smith and of course Reed could see Soapy coming down the street gun over his shoulder and cursing. <laughs> Uh, the three other guards stepped away, but not Reed. He uh, held his ground. some of them actually jump, had to jump off the dock to get mm-hmm. uh, Soapy swung his rifle at Reed. Uh, Reed grabbed the barrel and pointed it down. <gasps> Reed fired. Click. It was a misfire. Both men squeezed and two shots rang out. Reed was hit in the leg. Soapy under the left armpit. And it Ouch. shredded his lung. Reed shot two more times. Soapy sh- shot again and hit Reed in the gut. Both men fell. Uh, Soapy died right there in the dock. Yeah, I was going to say, Soapy oh. was probably dead before he hit the fucking ground. Yeah. 
But it took 12 days for Reed to die, though. God but, damn it. Yeah, he got his guts fairly yeah. blown out with a Winchester at close range. So. And it was, uh, I think in the book they actually specified it was like a Winchester, uh, what, 40, it was bigger than a 30, it was a bigger one than the 40, uh, than the 30, 30, it was like 45, 70 or some shit like that, so, whew. Damn, dude. And to linger for two weeks after that? Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Oh, and he kept on saying as he's like, did I get that son of a bitch? Yeah, you got that son of a bitch. I got that son of a bitch. I got that son of a bitch. Like, uh, for, blood, blood puking up? Yeah, but for two weeks. Uh, moving on to Steele. He thought prostitution was a necessary evil. He told his mounted police uh, not to arrest him unless they were wearing bloomers. Wearing bloomers? I guess if you're out in your underwear, you'd get arrested. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he arrested and fined 150 women, $50 a piece, not for punishment, but to fund the hospital. Okay. Steele ordered health inspections. For $5, a lady could get a letter st- stating that she was healthy. If not, she had to take mercury. Because that's still a thing. Hey, it's it's our, almost 1900. It's our old friend bilious pills back right together. Yeah, well, and what is, you know, when, if you know anything about amalgamation of gold, they keep mercury around. Mm-hmm. So there was just plenty of that. Fucking mercury everywhere. God right, damn up it. Your, right up your hoo ha or like. I do, I do like the idea that um, he's like, you know what? Fucking people are going to fuck and people are going to charge money for it. It's just going to happen. So we might as well, you know. Try to make it as safe as possible. Yeah, I don't need a bunch of syphilitic zombies wandering right. around here getting all water-brained. And... Which is the way it should fucking be anyways. Oldest profession. Oh, uh, that was the other thing when you stayed in, in Beatty in Nevada. I showed you the the crash plane okay. just outside of town. It's, yeah. They kept it at a, the one and only brothel of a town of 500 people. Mm-hmm. But the thing in the 70s was that somebody would, uh, they'd put a mattress on the ground, they'd fly in a plane... Somebody would jump out and parachute, and whoever got closest to the mattress would win a free fuck for the night. <laughs> <laughs> but the plane crashed. Everybody survived, but they still have the plane outside. What of, the fuck? And there's burrows just running around town because it's Nevada. Awesome. Sounds good. That's where we stay. Sounds like a place. So it was cold in spring 1899. Helen Holden lived at the Bodega Saloon in the upper story. She had an oil lamp and a stove where she had her clothes drying. Uh, an employee went back upstairs after she left to grab more whiskey when he heard a sound from her room. Then he touched the door handle, and, and it, it was hot. It was Uh-oh. hot. And since there was no apparently public grade school education like I had, the first thing he did was open the fucking hot door. Oh, backdraft. <laughs> yeah, which, what's uh, not McGruff the crime dog, what was the fucking Dalmatian in the fire? Sparky? Or no... That'd be oh I know who you're talking the about the fire safety pound. There's a, there was a lot of dog mascots when I was a well, kid. Well, there there's still like, is. Well, Does your like, daughter play with fucking Paw Patrol yeah. religiously? Well, there's like uh, Clifford the big red dog. There was a uh, the fucking well, Clifford the, didn't teach you anything except for being big. <laughs> being big. This is how you be big. Uh, Scotty Savers. That was a thing when I, I was don't a know kid. What the fuck that is? They had like to teach kids how to have a bank account. I don't know. Oh, that's. They didn't do that. For it's like a little Scotty dog. You're a little bit younger than me and Will. They didn't, uh, mm, didn't yeah. have that. that. Also, might we didn't have West back, back in the day. Yeah, right. This you guys guy, just traded tobacco yeah, his name and was cinnamon. His name was Sparky. He was the fire dog. And my stupid phone keeps kicking me out of Google. Anyways, yeah. Yep. So the guy runs down the stairs screaming and grabs a bucket of water. Oh, that, that, that ought to do it. Ah! 
by the, the time he gets back upstairs, the fire had spread everywhere, and everybody ran for their lives out in the cold weather, which was 45 below. So uh, asserting his dominance by screaming at the fire didn't help? <laughs> Men grabbed buckets for water, but only found frozen muck. Others got axes to cut through the frozen Yukon River, but it was so thick that they gave up. Uh, they called for the fire brigade, but they were on strike for better wages. <laughs> oh, yeah, so they got other guys who were drunk. Uh, so they had a mobile engine, but the coal fire in it wasn't lit, and it would take precious minutes for it to reheat. Um, for 25 minutes, the crew fought the fire by hand. So this is like uh, the, the coal the coal engine you're talking about is, is a pump? It's going to be a pump, and probably I'm going to assume there's going to be steam, you know, steam to pre- help pressurize it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then probably like, yeah, the pump is probably steam actuated. Right. Like a steam donkey real lever yeah. kind of yeah. goddamn Rube Goldberg fucking. And then the fire spreads to other buildings. Uh, hot air rose from the burning hotels, and it billowed into steam because it's 45 below. When it cooled back down, it became fog, or just hoarfrost. Mm, hoarfrost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the bucket men last lost sight of each other. So everything now is either frozen or on fire. <laughs> 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 then the wind kicked up and spread the fire, and the whole city was about to be engulfed. Fucking sweet. But to the rescue comes. Mm-hmm. Residents began emptying out their houses of belongings, which got in the way of the bucket crews. Whiskey was uh, piled out of the bars, and the bucket men stopped to drink. <laughs> and soon many of the volunteers were roaring drunk. Hey, for courage. For courage. <laughs> for her. Uh, back at the Yukon River, a hole was finally chopped through the ice and started to be pumped. But the engine was still too cold, and the hoses froze. Uh, the girls came out of the tenderloin not wearing any clothes, and they were screaming from pain on their bare feet. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> just run run inside the fire just to warm back up. Right. And then Jesus. Run well, some of them weren't even like, uh, we didn't do a real huge job about describing, because, you know, some of these dancing girls, like, occupied the bigger buildings, and some of them were just in what they'd call cribs, which are kind of like a, a li- li- little chicken coop with a dirty fuck mattress and, like, a curtain with, like, a lot of, like, uh, they're describing in the book, like, uh, where all the knot holes in the walls had been poked out, so... People could watch. People be peeping at you. And shit. So some of those girls are in. Those things are on fire. Good God. Um, Much like the whore tent of the aforementioned piece of shit book. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Much like that. Uh, the fire was burning south towards the Fairview Hotel, which was the headquarters of the firefighters. And, well, because Mulrooney is out there, first of all, you know, as we've established, Mulrooney has her shit together. Yeah. Because yep. she was serving coffee mixed with brandy. To keep go. the firefighters going. There you yep. go. Yep. It'll warm you up. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, this is really good. Hey, you guys can go fight a fire over there. Ah, how about one more warm up of uh Yeah. That warm that coffee. up for you, sweetie. What do no, you call she, what do you call this drink? Oh, it's called Four Loco. Yeah. Well, she was more like, Hey, you guys should Yeah, I think we're gonna stay in here for you know, get some more uh warmth before we go out there right. into the fire. And then on the scene is Colonel Steele and his RCMP there. Dun, 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 dun. Steele himself arrested any able-bodied man not helping yep. to fight the fire. And he is going to fuck this fire into submission. <laughs> and they started tearing down buildings in the fire's path to make a fire break. Then eventually they used dynamite. I was going to say, how do, how's the easiest way to tear down a building in a place where everyone has dynamite and gunpowder? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just blow them the fuck up. Holy shit. <laughs> 
111 hotel cabins and saloons had burned down. Another 15 were just blown up to stop the blaze. But it worked. It's like do, it's creating a backburn. Yeah, is yeah, what he's doing. Totally. It also seems like a lot of the buildings that got blown up were people people had disagreements with. Also, hey, anyway, that's though. that. So it was useful that's, that's and political. Yeah. And in the carnage afterwards, men stooped down over in the muck to pan the wasteland for gold dust in the cinders. Jesus fucking Christ. What the fuck? Oh, mankind, you make me want to vomit. Mm-hmm. And spring 1899, the stampede was slowing down, though. A few poor souls made it in from all the all-Canadian route that we talked about before, mm-hmm. north from Edmonton two years earlier. Many died along the way and many turned back. Scurvy killed more on this route than avalanches and killers did on the Chilkoot and White Passes. She just carried fucking, like, you know, cutie oranges or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of all the 2,000 that left from Edmonton, only 100 made it to the Yukon. Actually, you know what? Tang. If Tang had only been invented, think of the <laughs> countless lives that could have been saved. Uh, in 1897, newspapers reported that more than 100,000 people set out for the uh, Klondike. That's more than L.A. and Seattle combined. Uh, less than half made it to the headwaters of the Yukon. Only half of those reached Dawson. Three quarters of the men who left were either shipwrecked, shot, suffocated, frozen, starved, drowned, or demoralized to the point that they went back home. God or damn. syphilitic. Or... <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Of the 30,000 that reached Dawson, only half managed to stake a claim and do some mining. The majority uh, found as much as Jack London did, which was $5. Only a few hundred dug out enough to make them rich, and that was basically 1% of the 100,000 that set up for the Klondike. Well, apparently uh, even Soapy was down to like his last 150 bucks. Mm -hmm. By the the time he he got his gut split. So he he had a fucking... Death wish at that point. He'd been he'd been fucking up, like yeah. like Will said, and he, and you know, de- trying to defend yourself and build weird militias and shit that could all cost money. Yeah, you know. Uh, Dawson was never the same after the fire. The papers blamed Helen Holden. Of course. Um, basically, any any women were were magnets for trouble back in the day. Right. So the town banned women in public. What the fuck? In a, in a public building, except for hotels. So the Tenderloin was dismantled and moved across the river to Laos Town. Oh, Laos Town. That sounds, sounds inviting. Lovely. <laughs> sounds lovely. It's probably accurate. But... Yeah. That was an old Indian camp uh, where no one cared if it burned. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk before we get too far about uh, There was some stuff we kind of glazed over that the, the wonderful uh, book, uh, Gold Fever and Disaster in the Klondike Stampede by Brian Caster. Uh, it elucidates a lot talking about the conditions that the, uh, the dancing girls you know, dancing girls had to deal with. Um, of course, uh, a lot of which is, you know, just some straight up, like, violence towards women kind of stuff as you expect from some gross fucking gold miner that's usually whiskey drunk all the time. Yeah. Um, but some of these, like, theaters, you know, they'd get, some of these women make some pretty good money, but they'd be, like, dancing, and then if they, if, if it was awesome, they'd get often pelted with nuggets. Like, yeah, it's like you're making it rain, yeah. only with gold nuggets. So gold's heavy and hard. Oh, Jesus. So they'd have to, like, run off stage because they're getting... It's like somebody whipping ball bearings at you to show their appreciation. Fuck. <laughs> so there's a degree of that. But, you know, all in all, like, you could make some money at it, but a lot... There was a lot of, uh, um, you know, of course, substance abuse and suicide and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's with, um, you know, unprotected sex, there's all the STDs that come along with that, and, of course... <laughs> unwanted pregnancies. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of times those were 
let's call it dealt with uh, using implements such as um, ranging from curling irons to wax candles to just any pretty much anything you could find. Yeah. Well, and then you know it's not like you had like it wasn't <coughs> like you knew anything was going on until you were at least through you know a ways into the pregnancy. Sure. So there's going to be things that need to leave the body yes. after after such a thing. And of course you couldn't just throw that in the bin or do whatever. You had to go take it so you know and a lot of the remains were carried to I, it seems like kind of a specific area outside of town and like buried. But well, there's one per, per, particularly horrific passage that this wonderful book will never leave my mind. Oh, of, please share it with me. Of one where um, <laughs> some fetal, let's call it fetal remains, were uh, wrapped up in a copy of the, I think it was Seattle Post-Intelligencer, put into a box and then put in a crevice in some rocks. And some fucking dude found it and thought it was, you know, hidden treasure. Oh, no. And then, ah, and of course, you know, like abortion was not really, I mean, it was. it's been a hot, Debate hot button like, issue for so forever. you already got a place where these women are highly suspect and highly kind of reviled yet kind of a necessary part of life yeah and that brings some heat down on those oh look at these bastards you know like they're killing children right right yeah, whatever fuck even though yeah so just that <sighs> you know um, there's one with a, a a lady that uh basically didn't want to work that night got carried out of a place by a bunch of guys and they just set her down on a wood burning stove and burn like her lower parts oh in her hands. Oh, my God, dude. And she actually got away. Oh, we didn't talk about mother at all. Oh. Like the seamstress lady that no. actually ended up, like, uh, caring for a lot of the working girls and, like, basically was up there uh, looking for her son the whole time. And this is, like, this 50-some-year-old lady that, like, she'd do a lot of the passes, like, with crutches and shit. Like, but she was a hard ass. And she carried her sewing machine, made money as a seamstress. She'd sew dresses for the, the working girls and, you know, whatever. And kept on moving around Alaska looking for her son throughout the whole cold rush period. Oh, shit, and okay. she ended up saving a lot of these girls or helping them out in any way she could. Yeah. So, uh, but I just wanted to, like, because I feel like we're, we're mm-hmm. getting to the end here. And that's a particularly disturbing. Yeah. Show. There's, there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, we're, it's a very dense topic. But yeah. Anyway, continue on. Thanks for making it even more depressing. That's my <laughs> job here. Uh, Dawson was rebuilt, though. But it kind of became a little more organized. Uh, hotels and saloons began to sell themselves as tourist attractions even before the last of the Stampeders left. The telegraph and railroad would soon arrive. But rumor was that there was a new Gold Strike town in Nome. Oh, no. So no more Boomtown. Three quarters <laughs> of the population left Dawson by the end of the year. Damn. Mm-hmm. Nome. More no more boom. Boomtown. No. <clears throat> Nome. More yeah. Boomtown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. So the nation's attention kind of turned to Cuba and the Philippines. A uh, few managed to keep their money. Lion George Carmack kept the bulk of his wealth, but he kept secret of who, who actually discovered the gold. We talked which, a little bit which about Which was Skookum Jim, his yep. brother-in-law. Yep. Uh, I guess we don't. I, I have the story here, so I guess we'll skip that. Well, but also we can talk about when he went to Seattle with Kate. Once he became rich, he grew embarrassed of her. Well, because they went to Seattle and she was doing shit like walking around the hotels, blazing, tr- so she wouldn't get lost. Supposedly, she brought out a hatchet and she'd carve little like nicks in the walls to like <laughs> mark her way on banisters and shit. I mean, fuck if that's how you know it. And, oh, right, because he—that's his like native uh, yeah, life, right? Yeah, and okay. she's you know the closest he's seen to civilization is these sh- shitty shitholes. Yeah, you know. But then you know she's like buying like a rack of ribs and then cooking it in an alley on pallets. 
Fuck and, yeah. and then actually, uh, at one point, she got arrested. Like when the cops showed up to their hotel room, like Lion George had his face cut open and was all scratched up, and she was like drunker and fucking and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and then, uh, like, her and Skookum got fucked up when he was out doing something. He was bike buying some other gold claims or something. And they got f- fucking arrested because they were natives. And, and they were drunk. And well, they bought a, a side of beef ribs at a butcher store and cooked them on wooden packing crates in the alley. That's yeah. why they got arrested. Oh, I thought it was... Well, weren't they also shit-faced? Oh, yeah. Yeah. but And then they made a big deal of it in the papers. Like, ooh, George's dusky bride can't handle her fucking liquor because he's a savage and she's doing oh, God. war dances in the motel and all this shit. Also in Seattle, uh, he claimed that she was Irish. That's why she didn't speak good English like, <laughs> like us. Mm-hmm. Does he speak English? Yeah. Well, he's singing in English or Russian. English, but he cannot speak it good like we do. <laughs> Skrolnik. Skrolnik. That's fucked up, man. Would you like some Mickey Buckmiles? Uh, summer of 1900, while Carmack was back in Dawson settling business, he met Marguerite Lamy, who ran the cigar store and the Green Tree Saloon. Yeah, the cigar store, like, is also the fuck shop. Oh, okay. Yep, so a man with oral fixation could get satisfied in another way than cigars, yes, quote, like Bill quote, Clinton. Quote from the book. <laughs> Oglers said she was smuggling two ostrich eggs in her dress. <laughs> Carmack asked, Mar- asked her to marry him the first day they met. Yay. And also, he's like, who's this Kate woman? She has no, we had no ceremony and no papers. And fuck, right. Fuck her. So Carmack was done with the Klondike. Uh, he sold his shares back to Skookum Gin, essentially selling the man back his own claim. Oh, jeez. He avoided any contact with Kate or his daughter. Who he had sent to Cali? California. Yeah. Yep. California. Before 1899 ended, Jack London was publishing short, short stories, and America loved him. Uh, 23 million ounces came out of the Klondike in the last 125 years. That's $24 billion in today's money. Barely any of the wealth stayed in the Yukon, though. Uh, Daya is a ghost town now. Skagway is a tourist stop for cruise ships. Uh, the White Pass Railroad carries tourists, and hikers can still hike the Chilkoot Trail, but uh, you can't fuck with any of the rusted pickaxes or other relics along the way. See, so we can't go find your... Well, I mean, I guess that's further away, but where yeah. the dynamo is. And plus, I think the dynamo is still in Canada, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So now, uh, now you gotta now you, you can't get there anyway. I was gonna say we've established mm-hmm. that not allowed. Uh, Dawson City is now a town of fifteen hundred people. Uh, Healy was actually working on a plan to build a railroad tunnel across the Bering Strait. Wow, that's fucking ambitious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Belinda Mulrooney married a man who claimed to be a count. one. <laughs> but he was a bunco man and left her nearly bankrupt. Uh, she moved to Yakima and bought an orchard, but lost it. Uh, she died in go? 1967 at age 95. Jesus. Damn, holy fuck. The Berries didn't stay long in Alaska. After that first year, they left for California, and they hit it rich in the oil business. In 2013, Berry Petroleum was acquired by somebody else for $4.3 billion. Jeez, dude. Wow. That just freaks me out that Mulroney died 10 years, so scant 10 years before I was born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Steele also fought in the Boer War. Because why in the fuck not? Uh, he lied about his age. He was pushing 70 when World War One rolled around. Well, he had lied about his age to get in the Army in the first place. He was not old enough, and then... Now he's, like, too old, but he's like, yeah. oh, no. 
Herb 24. He does serve in World War One, giving basically doing admin duties at the rear, but he's still in World War One. Damn. Adney left the Klondike and reported on the rush to Nome and illustrated Teddy Roosevelt's book on good hunting in 1907. Mm. Uh, he made tiny models of birch bark canoes that he learned to build from natives in the east of Canada. Nice. No one wanted them then. Etsy page. But basically they serve as the only existing models or examples of them. Oh, cool. Then he moved back to the forest of New Brunswick, where he's known to go around naked in the woods. Okay. And he died in 1950. Well, there we go. At least you learned something in the Klondike. Yeah. How to just be yourself, baby. (laughs) After Jack London got rich and famous from his books, he focused more on politics, because he was a goddamn commie. No. Socialist. He died at age 40 from kidney failure from hard drinking. And probably from his previous amounts of, I don't know, scurvy and starvation and mm-hmm. every other fucking thing. Damn, he died at 40? Mm-hmm. I always imagine Jack London as being a fucking old dude, no. but he never made it there. those guys didn't, like, yeah. Yeah, Hemingway didn't get exceptionally old either. Yeah. And... Uh, Henderson never struck it rich. He petitioned the Canadian government to recognize him as the real discoverer of the gold in the Klondike. Uh, eventually, he did receive a small pension from the government. Carmack died of the flu in 1922 at age 61, still claiming he was the sole discoverer. Skookum Jim and Charlie, the other brother, and Kate all returned to the Yukon and built large homes and filled them with expensive imports. Oh, good for them. Uh, Charlie gambled and drank too much and fell off a bridge on the White Pass Railroad. Not as good for Charlie. He was 48. Kate was dependent on Jim for support. She had a little shitty cabin at Lake Bennett. She would tell tourists of her story discovering the gold. And it would be sure, lady. Wait, Lake Bennett is where? Alaska? The, yeah, it's the one where... Okay, so she went back. It's the one where you go to the... Yeah, the all the rapids and shit. Oh, I'll right. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the one everybody's fucking racing across to get there and half of them are sinking because right. the boats mm-hmm. suck asshole. Right, right. Okay. She was 62 when the Spanish flu killed her in 1920. Uh, See, the Spanish finally got him up in Alaska. Fuck. Soapy Smith Should was right. Soapy Smith. Goalless uh, bioweapons invading our ports <laughs> up in the Yukon. <laughs> Uh, Skookum Jim kept his money and set aside a good chunk for his tagish people living around the lakes. He was 55 when he died in 1916. From Skookum Jim's discovery to the burning of Dawson, it only took a thousand days for the stampede to be born and die. Also, here's Skookum probably later on because it looks like he's got a, a buck or two. Got oh, yeah. Him, got him a nice pocket watch and whatnot. Also, his real name is something like, it's not like, it's not exactly Keith, but it's way like Keith. I just like how Lion George is like, ah, I can't say your name, so you, right. you just him, or you're Jim. No official death toll of the stampede, but if you add up all the shipwrecks and avalanches, you get over a thousand very quickly. Add in all the ones who died on the trail from Edmonton and the other trail in BC along the coast, uh, the toll surges to over 10,000 people dead. Fuck. Jesus Christ. So what would you do for Klondike Bar? Apparently, die of scurvy and gunshot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Skookum, Skookum Jim's uh, Tuggish name is Keish. So it sounds exactly like Jim. Why the fuck? Okay. Because it's lying George yeah, Washington. Yeah. My name is Keish. All right, Jim. Yeah. So after the Great Depression, many governments moved off the gold standard. And in 2000, gold was worth less than it was in 1900, adjusted for inflation. So don't buy it from Alex Jones. Yeah, or, true or that. Glenn Becker. Yeah. Well, and as we've seen, in the thing I think about when listening to these bags of fuck, like, oh, the collapse is coming, you need to get some gold. Well, as illustrated with, like, Dawson and, and shit, um, there's just gold, like, laying around everywhere, but when there's nothing to fucking eat, 
Nobody wants your fucking gold. Nobody gives when you, a fuck. When you yeah. can't leave and you got nothing to, nobody, you know, they, yeah. don't, they don't want your shiny it's, metal. They want eggs and shit. Yeah. So I was saying buy chicken chickens. barge. New from chicken Bron- Bronson Swagger Industries, <laughs> the chicken barge, the newest. Uh, <laughs> So we're gonna mine. The, we're gonna mine the people that are mining the miners. Yep. That's what we're gonna do. Chicken we're gonna, barge. We, we'll float. We'll float a chicken barge out to you. Right. No, you have to. We'll. You can we'll lease s- it. We'll send some of our let's call it distributing partners who get you know it's like a, you got to do the, not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> we, you know you get boats coming out and delivering kind of like the Swan Man. Only yeah, it's totally. Just chicken barge has boat runners that kind of like DoorDash. Yeah. Only just either live chickens or eggs. Yeah. God damn it! That's a winner. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Oh, yeah. fuck. I didn't think that's where this was going to end up. But <laughs> Anyways, get yourself a chicken barge. And if you yeah. sign up three friends now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could become a fucking partner. Oh, fuck. <laughs> chicken pyramid scheme. That's right. Chicken bar- Yeah, chicken pyramid. I'm in. Right. Holy shit. Better than chicken Kiev. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, chicken Kiev is holding its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully they uh, win out. Because of side order of javelins and ja. bravery and an ill-prepared conscript army that's... Oof. Well, best of luck to our uh, Ukrainian brothers and sisters out there. And Keep making them fucking... Co- making them cocktails and yeah. planting fucking uh, sunflower seeds. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, you poor Russian guys, just just give up. Yeah. Just let it sorry, go. but you, you've been led into a shite, you've been had, dude. shite yeah. situation. Anyways, uh, on that note, I think it's time for us to go out in a hail of chicken fire. Yes. Bagok. That always smells the best.